Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. We are back in studio. Shauna, how you doing? Hi, good. Hi, Speak the Truth listeners. Hello, Jeremy. Doing great. Thank you. Good, good. Uh, wow, it's uh, it's been a few weeks since we've recorded. We've had a lot of life happen since then. Um, Shauna and I just got back from Big Stuff Camp, and our local church was amazing. And something actually really amazing happened in that time. Our I'll youngest you, I son. Tell, I'll tell you what. Oh, you're. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. No, 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 no. Go, go, go. This camp is incredible. I mean, I, did we ever get like a full number of how many was even at this camp that week? Yeah, there was a one thousand one hundred and fifty. Wow, kids there. Fantastic. Like all in one little area. Mm. Churches out there, if you are trying to figure out like what to do for a church youth camp, this is it. Big stuff is what it is with just one F. So S T U F. Um, and they just, they plan everything. They have it well organized. The hotel's right on the beach. Um, and it's like a big Jesus party, right? You know how to do worship. Their lessons are great. And they actually had leadership training, you know, for the students. So they mm. called all the leaders in, in the morning, right after breakfast and even took time to train the leaders, which was really cool. I loved that. Yeah, it was, uh, they had leader labs. Um, so they had everything pretty much mapped out. And just the progression, uh, which was surprisingly, surprisingly done well. Um, mm-hmm. And then what I found to be really even more interesting is getting away from that whole, you know, get them to camp, you know, have a, you know, come to Jesus moment. Just the whole approach has changed and mm-hmm. just capturing mm-hmm. kids where they are. And what's interesting is they're realizing they didn't say it this way, but this is just me hearing it is realizing just the um, the emotional turmoil that uh, this generation is going through. Um, with all the things that are going on and, and trying to meet, trying to meet Generation Z where they are mm. and just the emotional stuff with the social media. So a lot of elements yes. that it takes to grab their attention, they were using to some way turn it back around to help them realize like, this is where we can meet you. And hey, while we're at it, whoever's telling you the best story, they're actually capturing your attention in your heart. Mm. And as Christians, we need to be telling the story. Yes. We need, we have the best story. Can you resurrect from the dead? Mm. Like die and we'll sit and wait for you to resurrect. Like we have the best story there is Mm -hmm. and we need to be telling it better. We need to be telling it more frequently. So anyway, it was just a, it was a good approach. Um, and obviously I'm a little partial to it because it was through that, that, um, our youngest son came to faith. Uh, he surrendered to, to Christ and, uh, just being able to experience that. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was a, I was a father, um, that it was funny. Uh, <laughs> he was with a leader and the leader had texted me when they were back in small group time and said, Hey, you know, are you available? Um, as soon as I got that text, man, I, my heart just got kind of dropped and I'm like, Oh man, I'm hoping sure enough, I get mm. outside Jackson comes outside and he just starts crying and man, it was like a, like a huge hug and I'm like sobbing in his neck. I'm wiping, I'm wiping my <laughs> nose in his neck and mm. like, he's never held me that long before. Mm. Um, and then obviously we, we go and grab Shauna and share that moment. And just, uh, I noticed that that was the longest he's ever held you to. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was an amazing, it was an amazing time and just thankful to the Lord that we were able to be there together and experience that together. Mm-hmm. What a blessing um, that was. Yeah. 
yeah. just to be a part I'm well of that. Up right now. Yeah. And you're, yeah. you're, they're the big man crying, bawling like a baby too. It was really sweet. <sighs> I was like ugly crying, dude. I was like, <laughs> like my whole body was just shaking in his neck. Wow. It was like, but you know, just, just shout out to leaders like Kyle though, to just be able to just be real and themselves and give these kids a place to come and, mm-hmm. and just be themselves and share and just that whole thing. I mean, Jackson was just raving about it on, um, having that safe place, you know, yeah, we're there as a parent and here he is a pastor's kids. And so sometimes the expectations can be put on them, but just the fact that Kyle was there and was just able to allow Jackson to be Jackson was just a really cool thing. Mm. Um, and obviously I had my hopes going in there, but, and we had lots of people praying for him. So thank you for those who, who personally know us and was praying for, um, for Jackson and, and what that looks like, but just this lifelong, this year wrestle that he has had, it was just a very cool thing on how God worked that out. And boy, do I love his timing. So, yeah. And speaking of timing, um, it was just funny just because he know that there were times that he would come to worship with us, you know, in church and during worship, he would just kind of sit around and he wouldn't really sing and just kind of, you know, processing everything. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't really engaged. And then for us to capture, and I didn't even take the picture, uh, but one of our, uh, one of our counselors and, and elders who was on the trip with us uh, saw it and he took a picture and sent it to me. And just to see my son's hand like raised worshiping mm. um, was just amazing. Um, just like seeing that immediate like response in his heart to like, yes, this is what a, a surrendering response looks like. And, mm. and, and I'm in that, but even to Shauna's point about um, the counselor that, you know, cause we, I mean, we were both counselors as well, but that's kind of like what we're actually getting into today mm. uh, in, in this particular episode, the church and counseling uh, it's chapter 12 of Jeremy's book. And can I say something yeah. else on the big stuff though, before we get into yeah. um, the fullness of this episode, one of the things, and so, cause I want to encourage the churches of how the, how to of why I feel like this camp was so organic was the speakers were so direct in the way they communicated to these kids. They weren't watering the message down and they were, they were direct in their terminology. So they called sex, sex, you know what I mean? And just, just spoke directly into it. And, and yeah, they might have called them out a little bit on the millennial and generation X or whatever, and, and what the culture is saying about them, but more so empowering them to say that your story and what you are saying and sharing is really how the influence is going to be created. Like you have the power to speak back and not let the culture define who you are. Mm-hmm. And that was very encouraging. I think not just for the kids, obviously, but for the leaders to say like, let's quit like dodging these hard topics about sex and pornography and, and these things that they're dealing with their emotions. And, um, and so I just really loved that. And so I just want to make sure that I took a minute to encourage those churches out there or just the leaders in the churches to um, yeah, just to speak directly. Yeah, yeah, and the beautiful thing about what you're saying, Sean, is I think it, the gospel can handle those conversations. Uh, yeah. the, the gospel <laughs> is what captures those conversations. As a matter of fact, that's one of the distinctives that that organization was really bringing to the conference and speaking to Gen Z is they know that this is this is what they want to engage in. So when we hear them, oh, they want something authentic and, and real, that's what they're talking about mm-hmm. because the, their hearts and souls are so jacked up really at the end of the day that they literally have, they want so much truth they don't know where to go and there's so much information they don't know how to choose it there's no direction and so back to calling things what they are and using you know 
appropriate terminology, even though quote unquote may be offensive or what others would consider inappropriate, but that's where people are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the gospel can handle that. Well, so we've got good. to do a better job in the church of being open arms in a way that they're talking about it. So we need them to talk about it with us. You know, if the, the, the terminology masturbation comes up, like talk about it, embrace that, let them feel comfortable in sharing it um, and then help them bring accountability. Like we assume these kids know what to do with all this. But one of the things that I even realized was some of the conversations I was having was about genuine friendships. They're saying, I want this genuine, authentic friendship. And I'm like, well, what does that look like? They didn't know. Hmm. They know that they want it, but they don't know how to do it themselves. And they don't know really what to look for in the friendships of that. And but so they then, know what it's not though, too. To, but yeah, to an extent, but then they, but in their, I'm going to forgive them type of thing, they forgive and pretty much allow themselves to continue to be a part of that. I think that's kind of where that abusive, you know, manipulative yeah. part comes in friendships and stuff. And so one of the things um, that I just really learned and took away from this, which I love, cause you're going to camp to serve them, but how awesome is God to teach us as leaders oh, a man. lot. Right. Yeah, and huge. and that, that was such a blessing for us, to, for our church to allow us to, to be a part of that experience. But I learned that we can't just assume that these kids know these things. So as they're talking about genuine friendship, something that seems so simple to us as adults, they don't know how to actually cult, like how do we teach them to cultivate that? You know? So hopefully that can be something that's an encouragement out there to some mm. leader that's listening or even a parent. You know, even as a parent, we encourage our kids to do these certain things, but we're not really teaching them how to do that. You know, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Okay. The church right. and counseling. Uh, but no, that because I was actually going to use that as as the segue, because what we were doing as counselors at camp is essentially what we're going to be talking about in this podcast with the church mm-hmm. and counseling and the reality of that. Uh, so with that, before we start diving into the content of chapter 12, I kind of want to set the stage in terms of scripturally speaking, um, the text that we're really going to be uh, engaging with uh, to kind of draw uh, to this reality, which is going to be Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 ultimately, Uh, but I'll read from verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Uh, and then uh, verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So when we talk about the idea of counseling in the church, I don't know of any other verse when you break that mm-hmm. down that points out that this needs to be a communal project. Uh, it needs to be happening in the community. Uh, so really quick, Jeremy, um, cause I know we all have some thoughts and we're, we're all going to speak into this, but just, uh, considering that this is your book, when you were writing this particular chapter and obviously the content of chapter 12, um, what was kind of like your heart really writing and capturing this to the local church as a biblical counselor? Mm-hmm. So I would say my heart behind this chapter was in part to invite the church into this kind of work and then to encourage the church that this is what we are called to do based on the passage you just read, mm-hmm. uh, that all the saints are called to to be equipped uh, for the work of ministry. 
And so a tragedy that I've witnessed as a, in, in the licensed world is that very often as I have visited various churches throughout the DFW area, a lot of churches have given into this cultural mindset that counseling is simply for the professional. And that if you don't hold a degree or a license in psychology or counseling, then you should not be doing this kind of work. And so my hope in this chapter was to engender this idea uh, within the church, within the hearts of pastors, Mm -hmm. that actually this is a terrain that has originally belonged to the church Mm -hmm. and psychology came in and has sought to to strip it away. Isolate it. Yes. Yeah. Take it out of the community. Mm-hmm. But I think you actually make that point in the book too, is they do, they do propose this idea of some communal effort, right. Mm-hmm. Um, in the humanistic, uh, fashion, of course, but, um, taking it out of, um, just the church and like, okay, yeah, your gospel is great and everything over here. But when you really begin to find out the intricacies of this individual and what they're really struggling with, they probably need to go see a professional. We need to isolate them from everybody else. Yes. Like physiologically or psychologically, they've been quarantined mm-hmm. away from the body. Right. So to yes. speak. Well, or, or the reverse, the person is isolating themselves. Right. You know, and the church needs to step up and, and say, you know, no, we want to be here with you and care for you and, and bear your burden with you. And that actually goes to Galatians six, uh, which somebody have that up. Galatians 6, 1 and 2? Yep. Yeah, I got it here. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritually should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And what I actually in verse 3 through 5, this is really good too, because I think it kind of just speaks to, I'll carry your burdens, but at the same time, like at some point you need to take ownership, which Mm -hmm. is what the communal pieces, why it's so, so necessary for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself, but let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor for each will have to bear his own load. Mm. So it even kind of goes back to Ephesians four. And just when one part of the body isn't working properly, that's the, that's the, that's the work of the ministry is being able to identify when one part of the body, individual or group or whatever, whatever context you can identify that and then go back, admonish, exhort or whatever, scripturally speaking, however we need to appropriately address the situation mm-hmm. to speak to that. So yes. that's, that's good, Shauna. And then even Matthew. Or really, that's good, Paul, you know. Well, but you brought it up. You brought it up. Yeah, yeah you brought it up. Yeah. And and I I think it's important, you know, the call there in Galatians is that we should be moving towards one another when there is struggle Mm -hmm. and in particular when there's sin. Yeah. And something that I often see in my own counseling office is when a person is struggling with sin, they come to me and they, they want us to work on that within the confines of my office uh, under the, the banner of confidentiality without ever initially considering what role does my church have to play in helping me walk this walk. Mm. And, and we have to be fair, you know, some, there are church cultures where it's not okay to walk with a limp. Uh, it's an, you better have your act together or you mm-hmm. may not feel welcomed in this place. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage, you know, pastors to make sure that you're creating a culture within your church that is gospel centered, that it's mm-hmm. not about you 
self-improving. It's not about how Mm -hmm. you being a good Christian and with character, all of that, all of those that, you know, having good character is a byproduct of the gospel because sometimes when people are struggling with very serious sin issues or even struggling with something like depression, Mm -hmm. that's not rooted in sin. Mm -hmm. uh, They feel intimidated or they feel like the black sheep of the family so that they can't go into their church family and talk about that. So they go to an isolated counseling office with me and for the first time begin to talk about some of the darkest sins that you could imagine. Mm-hmm. And that should, I would love to see that happening within the context of the church. And, that, you know, if they come to me that I have a safe place to send people back to where people are going to hold folks accountable, but they're also going to walk with them in the two steps forward, one step back uh, dance of sanctification. Yeah. I, I think, you know, when I, when I, um, as I'm hearing you talk and thinking about, you know, men and women that I know in the church, there's, there's some that you meet that they're so busy that they don't have time to do intensive discipleship, you know, on their own within the church. But then you also have those who they would, um, and they want to, but they just don't know how. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think it's important for us, um, in the churches to equip the saints, you know, like those people who really do want to intentionally and intensive, um, lead disciple other people and care for them and bear their burdens. Like we should help them, encourage them, grow them, give them the tools and the resources, the how to's of how to actually walk that out with another. Um, and I think most of us get, or some of us get paralyzed and not feeling adequate Mm -hmm. that we then just don't do it at all. Yeah. You know, and you know, this, this past week, while you guys were out on the East coast mm-hmm. at that wonderful camp, I had the privilege of being out on the West coast in uh, Salem, Oregon, mm. where I was just blown away at, th- at this beautiful ministry at uh, Salem Heights mm-hmm. um, church there in Salem and the ministry of Carl and Laura Chica and Emily Dempster. They, they have done what we're talking about. I mm-hmm. mean, they, they, they started from scratch. They, they really didn't have a direction, but they reached out to the Association of Biblical Counselors and just began taking one step at a time. And now I think two or three years in, uh, they are known in their community for the place to go if you're having major mental, emotional, or spiritual issues. That's awesome. And something that's happening out in that area is what I'm being told by them is there's a mental health crisis. So there's a lot of people struggling with mental health. Mm-hmm. Suicide is mm-hmm. on the rise out there. And there are not enough mental health workers in the secular community or the Christian community to actually help these folks, licensed mental health workers. So what is happening, because this church is doing what it's called to do, and it's mm-hmm. taken that seriously, and it's training people, uh, now they have, I think, 19 churches in their last class that came and, and had people come and take their training so that now that training is is spreading out beyond their walls. Wow. But the community is now, the, the mental health community is now looking at this church saying, hey, we don't have the resources. We are stretched far beyond. I think it's like a four-month waiting period at most places oh, in the mental health community. So guess where they're now sending them? They're sending them to this wonderful church that has taken this kind of, of message very seriously. And the Lord is using them to deal with anything that a mental health worker would deal with. Mm. Uh, and the Holy Spirit is being faithful to them in their stewardship 
uh, to equip them to do this kind of work at a very deep level. And it's exciting to watch. That's a great example. And Salem, just thank you all for being a model of good works and just um, allowing God to multiply what you're already doing. And I can't wait to partner with them and, and learn more about what the Lord has revealed to them in a way that we can share that with other people. And um, I, here's what I love though, is not the church sending it back out to the medical community, but the medical community saying, Hey, I want to partner with the church. You know, when you get that call from that CPS worker or the, the school district calls you or doctors, you know, that you partner with Christian doctors, like what a blessing that is to Mm -hmm. know they're sending them to really ultimately the place that should be able to offer them, not just the, the counseling piece of it, but just the whole support system that goes along with it. Yes. You actually have a quote in your book on page 167. It says genuine biblical counseling cannot be effectively practiced in isolation from the church. Yes. Like boom, you know? So now it's like, once those who are listening to us, like they agree with what they're hearing right now, how do we get that started? You know, how do, how do we effectively build not just a counseling ministry, but more so like everybody, our entire body, Mm -hmm. how can we disciple them in a way that they feel adequate and prepared, have the knowledge and the resources. And I just, and obviously our Sunday morning church service, absolutely is, is obviously a healthy way for it to show from the pastor starting from the top. Um, But we've got to provide additional type of training, you know, Mm -hmm. to help them really know and understand the word. Yeah, that's good. And uh, Jeremy, when you were talking about the the church and really having a gospel centered, gospel saturated church and having a, a context to cultivate that type of church, uh, encouraging pastors to do so, really the gospel is helping us identify those things so that we can expose it. And why are we exposing it so that we can restore it through the gospel? Mm-hmm. Where moralism, on the other hand, which is kind of in, in really in essence what you were describing in the church when this this naturally happens in the churches because we're serving a perfect God, but we're growing in our sanctification to be like our creator. Yes. So we it's like we assume that that perfection and then we feel like we have to live it out. And so we suppress the truth at the end of the day. And we don't allow the gospel to mm-hmm. do what the gospel was set out to do. Mm-hmm. And so we reduce it to this moralistic living. So we suppress and then we isolate. And then ultimately we deceive ourselves. And then we wonder why our church isn't growing healthily, like the way that Ephesians 4 talks about and equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, because we're not building a context that people kind of like I think you mentioned in, in chapter 12 as well, is where it, Christ didn't come to save the healthy, but the sick. And we have to remember, like our churches are full of sick people. Yes. And the gospel heals that, but it's a process mm-hmm. and we have to stop acting like it's a perfect place. And we put on that perfectionism when we, you know, on Sundays. So we need to begin to respond like we are a place for broken, sinful people who are in desperate need for a restored soul. Mm. That's what the church needs to be. Therefore, we need to be a church that uh, allows or uh, really builds counseling into it. And, and when we say counseling, I mean more from a, you know, there is a formal piece. Of it, and I think, Sean, even kind of like what you were just alluding to, to some extent, is like there, you know, as a body, informal counseling is happening all the time. If we're applying mm-hmm. the word of God we're to each other. We're giving our opinions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, unfortunately, sometimes yeah. that's what that's all they are. There's no scriptural truth to what people say oftentimes in church, but being able to, to build a culture of truth tellers mm-hmm. that are rooted in the gospel with gospel truth. And and so that's the, inf- the informal piece of ministry, but then there's the formal piece where it is kind of a, at a designated time at a designated place for a designated purpose of counseling and soul care. 
So it needs to be a both hand place, not a, okay, we'll do some form of informal. And then when I really see how jacked up you are, eh, I'm going to send you off over to, you know, this, this yeah. person over here, this organization over there, because mm-hmm. you got a little too much going on that I'm just not able to handle. So that's where we need to come, you know, and, and, and really build counseling ministries in these, in these local churches. Why do churches. you think though, that that's it, the last thing that ever gets started? I mean, there's so many even mega churches around us. And for some reason, pastoral care isn't, is like the last thing that's created. Do you know what I mean? Man, that's like a whole series. Okay. Uh, no, that's. Yeah, I, I, I really do, do that, think but. we need to have an episode that really addresses it because I don't understand. I really believe when I talk to these pastors and the women of the church, uh, like I, I'm almost positively like everybody knows it's needed. But, that, but why is it the last thing? Well, and I think Jeremy captures that, you know, really kind of addresses that this chapter and ongoing chapters through there is just the reason why they don't do it is because culture has been hoodwinked. The church specifically has been hoodwinked into believing that there's too much going on and I don't have the specifications or uh, the skills to take that on. So therefore I, you know, I'll continue to, you know, give you some scriptural references but I'm really not providing something that has the power. You need to go over here and you'll find the power for that particular issue over there. So mm-hmm. really at the end of the day, what we're communicating is the gospel can't sustain you. It doesn't keep you. Yeah. Yeah. We're not meaning to communicate that, but that's what's coming out. Right. Yeah. Functionally, that's exactly yeah. what we're doing. Right. Right. So love this on um, page 170. Um, it says in kind of what you're talking about of the urgency, he says, Jeremy, and I'm saying, I'm like quoting you while you're in the room, which is kind of weird. But anyway, <laughs> just as the health of my heart, a part of my body is critical to my overall physical well-being. So is the spiritual well-being of my neighbor critical to the overall well-being of Christ's body, the church. Failing to minister to my neighbor is like ignoring the glaring symptoms of an intimate heart attack. Mm-hmm. Like talk about that. Yeah. That's so huge. So very often, you know, we can, we can get in church, <clears throat> especially here in the West church can become about me, mm-hmm. you know, and I see, you know, different churches trying to create different programs that are going to draw people because it's become very man centered in some regard. Mm-hmm. And even if we're in a good church, um, our tendency can be that I'm going here and it's primarily about my spirituality and my, and my walk with God today, which it is very important. That's an important aspect, but we, we have to pray that the Lord would give us a deeper passion to know our neighbor and to know the struggles and to allow ourselves to be known as well. If I, if, if I'm doing that, then I'm going to recognize that all of us are a mess in some regard. Uh, we desperately need one another speaking the truths of the gospel into each other's lives. Cause sometimes we try to do that as lone rangers, mm-hmm. but we need one another. Uh, Paul Tripp's DVD series, Your Walk with God is a Community Project, talks all about that. And so it, it, I think it is just as severe as walking around with issue or symptoms of a heart attack mm-hmm. and not taking care of that. It's just as critical it is. to know that our neighbor's neighbor is wrestling with something and and turn our eye mm-hmm. or give ourselves the excuse, I'm not equipped. Right. People would be surprised that if if you walk into a situation like that and simply have as your objective to love this person through listening well, mm-hmm. through nurturing them with kindness, you have a lot more to offer through the spirit of God than you realize. Yes. Mm-hmm. And God puts us in situations like that when we're not prepared to yes. technically prepare us, right. you know, and be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Because what we're saying is it's about me and what I know versus what the Holy Spirit That's is going to lead us and and guide us to say. So I love that. Take that step of faith, yes. you know? 
there, you know, and getting back to church cultures that kind of make this last or it's, it's not on the radar. A good way, I think, to to at least introduce this idea of, of counseling ministry within the body of Christ as being a priority. I think I heard this at a CCEF conference years ago, but the analogy was made of a ground war, war and an air war. And we are in war when we when we are uh, enter into the kingdom of God, we enter into a battlefield where the enemy of, uh, of Satan is trying to destroy us, the, the enemy of our old former selves is still mm-hmm. at play. Uh, and, but this, the air war, the way it was described, is the preaching from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that preacher is, he's hitting a, a lot of details from, from up high. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he's, he's not really getting into the trenches, but he's giving very powerful truth in a general sense. But if that's all we have, then we fall short because there's also a ground war mm-hmm. and we need a, a, an army of biblical counselors ready to fight in that ground war where we're stepping into the lives of people and we're, we're articulating those same biblical truths as the, as the pastor was in the air war, but we're doing it in a very specific way to the issues of those that, that we're ministering to. Mm, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Um, well, is that right. it for today? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just want to read uh, Colossians 3.16 really quick because, again, just wanting to, yes, addressing the, the church as a whole, but really calling to those of us who are believers in the church to where uh, we can encourage one another uh, to counsel one another because we're all called to counsel. But uh, Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Mm. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We need to be counseling in our churches, informally and formally. Uh, so Which we're is gonna, ultimately discipleship. Yeah, yeah it, it is. And there's, there's varying aspects of discipleship. Intense, corrective... Right. Mm-hmm. Intentional. So, yeah. Well, we really loved on Paul's scriptures today, huh? Apostle Paul spoke to us this, this podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's always speaking. <laughs> Dianustas. God breathe, baby. All right. All right. We love you guys. All right.